Hello everybody, welcome to your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. This week we will be reviewing a few guest appearances of Spider-Man in other comic books. From June 1982 we have Defenders number 108, reviewed by G.I. Jolie and Ted Woods. From July 1982 we have Defenders 109, reviewed by Bex Luthor and G.I. Jolie. And from June 1982, again, we have Fantastic Four number 243, reviewed by Adam Pelche and G.I. Jolie. As usual, I am your co-host, Mike L., and I am joined by... Mike. Yeah. Do we have to? What, do this issue? Yeah. <laughs> we have to. Sorry, guys. we got to do every 80 Spider-Man comic. All right, G.I. Jolie, take it away. Tell us, what is this issue about? Okay, so we are going to discuss Defenders number 108. <laughs> I I want to weep, but I have to tell you what it's about. Okay, so we've read the the one preceding preceding this. Uh, so it, it picks up right where we left off in the last issue of the Defenders. I don't know exactly where that was, but I know it involved the Enchantress, and for sure Valkyrie is dead. So... The Enchantress strikes up a deal with all of the Defenders that if they, the team is to bring her back a flower or a rose, that she will restore the spirit of Brunhild back into the body of, uh, back into the shell that she has, uh, like placed in sort of like a, like a, like a trap. It's, it's very convoluted. And even the comic is like, it's too complicated to explain. Mm-hmm. Like, literally in a box. We're not going to explain it. There's too much. So Enchantress transports the entire team to... they. I think they call it Paradise on the cover. Um, so yes, the entire team is there. And they encounter an alien woman and her, quote, thing. Who is just dancing um and they have this flower that enchantress wants so it's up to the team to get it from these two beings in paradise uh (laughs) there i can't believe that i drew that much of the plot out of it or remembered even that much there is like an allegory about love somewhere in there but i am not trying very hard don't worry, See, neither is the comic. <laughs> no. So, so yeah, um. like, it's weird because we find out while they're adventuring, while the Defenders, I guess, are adventuring in Paradise, uh, it cuts back to Enchantress, who is sitting on the lap of somebody who she calls love. And that's why I, I, the flower is for that being. And I, I can only assume she's going to stick it in the face hole part of his hood. I don't know. I, I just, I don't really, I don't um, understand or claim to understand that the needs and wants of deities, but that's where, that's, that is where we begin this discussion. So, yeah, I'll just say, Ted, I apologize that you had to read this comic. This is some of the worst art, again, that I've ever seen. Um, I, and the story was incomprehensible. I honestly... Halfway through, I, I thought I missed something because I didn't know what the hell was going on. But what was your impression of Defenders 108? So <laughs> uh, it did not take me long to just be like, okay, I'm going to skim through this one. Um, yeah, yeah and, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I was also 
um, I kept thinking about uh, the and the Defenders TV show on Netflix and how uh, Trish Walker's character on that is Hellcat, and I was like, just imagining how awesome it would be to if they had like fully embraced that that character in the show mm-hmm. and then Jessica Jones and everything. And so I was easily distracted from this story by uh, <laughs> imagining how, how great of other that things. show could have been. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, um, what I gathered from the story um, was not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I... I appreciated the idea of, like, half the Defenders team was like, oh, yeah, we should totally do this. We should help this um, completely evil character. It's definitely going to trick us. Um, And then the other half is like, no, this is unethical. We shouldn't do this. Um, Really quick question. Do any of you know who the definitely not Etrigan from DC Comics character is that we see a couple of times, the yellow demon-looking character. Oh, yeah, that's, this is, that's, that's uh, Damien. Gargoyle. Oh, 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 sorry, okay, yes, yes, Gargoyle. Yeah, gar- yeah, yeah. Who? That's Gar, okay. Yeah. Interesting. We've yeah. come across him before. He's actually a pretty cool character, but in this story, he doesn't really do much, does he? Mm. He just doesn't do anything, yeah. Um, so I, I, I liked the idea of, like, the the characters, the the team, like, being split on something and not agreeing on cool. something and then yeah. just be like they're like okay then this half of the team is what's going to you know accomplish this this task today and um god that yeah the thing that dances um <laughs> what what a vision of nightmares mm-hmm. that's going to be tonight. So, yeah, like that it was just such a weird story and yeah, very convoluted. Um but yeah, like I mean, it's it's another example of like, well, we killed a character off, um so we need to bring him back. So, how are we going to do it? So, let's just throw a lot of story in, throw a lot of crazy artwork in, and by the end of it, we'll have Valkyrie back. So that'll be cool. So there, and there's your comic, kids. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's my thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's actually kind of weird. I'm looking at the end, and after, it, it, it's all, like, it's all a total loss. Like a zero-sum game, because love ends up, for some reason, falling in love with Barbara Norris, whose soul is trapped in the body of Valkyrie and he pulls her out of the body of Valkyrie so that they can be together away from the Enchantress. Um, And then, oh God, do you know what? It's just, it's so terrible that I'm interested. It's, this is a weird (laughs) sensation. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's actually, it's horrible. I'm all for weird, like, stories and like weird premises but uh, they it wasn't done right like they they didn't do no. any explanation they didn't like the the like strange monster character and the woman with the rose like n- none of these like ideas fit together like it, it no maybe it, they were like some cool ideas on paper and then they just smashed them together to be like all right here's the story because like Jody was saying that like that is that is kind of interesting that this like like 
godlike creature falls in love with a normal human who's actually just the soul of somebody trapped in somebody else's body like that's wild in itself right but it can work it just doesn't there's no like setup there's no payoff there's like i don't know it just that's exactly like yeah what we said right he just throws the jm dimitis just throws things into a pot and mixes them up right yeah there's no unity. There's no theme, really. Like, like, yeah, my favorite thing with the story is definitely the disagreement over what they should do, right. or if they should rescue her, or how they should rescue her. That was cool. But everything else was a mess. Right. Uh, I do wonder, though, would this story have been better if the art was better? Like, would you, would you have been able to stomach it more if the art was better? Anyone? No, I feel like the <laughs> art is really just as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like... It's terrible, but up. it's not yeah. like the worst it could be. Mm-hmm. It, this, it's, it's just the story. Uh, is yeah, garbage. I I don't think it would have made it any better too, because of the fact that there's just too much dialogue. Like even if even if this right. was great art, the dialogue and like the narration is like covering it all up. Like we don't we don't let the art speak for itself in this issue. So even right, if it was right. good, it I don't think it would really matter. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same problems we always have with every story by James Dematias, who otherwise, like, I like his later career, but at this point, I was not liking his stuff. Um, I know, Ted, that you had mentioned that uh, comics were much different back in the 80s than they are now. Uh, what is it specifically about this comic that sticks out to you as being completely different from the way comics are done nowadays? Well, um, you know, going through the pages again, I feel like... I w- I wonder if there was just this amount of pressure uh, from higher ups or something like that to just have a million characters featured in this book or something like that. Because I feel like there's just a lot of panels where it's like the the artist is just trying to cram five different characters into each panel. And that's, I mean, even a good artist will have difficulty doing Mm -hmm. that in a lot of cases. uh, Because in... Because really, it's like okay, it's um, it's Hellcat is the one that wants to bring Valkyrie back, mm-hmm. um, and Son of Satan, Namor, Hulk, and then they're along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like the, you know, one way maybe to have improved this, um, or maybe just a modern take on it would have been like, okay, this is Patsy on her journey to try to bring. Uh, valkyrie back or something like that and it's just her or something and now Mm -hmm. granted that then it's not a defender's book um but that's that's one thing that might have been way more interesting and yeah like um another thing that kind of interested me about it is like is that it's you know it's patsy and and her uh her love of of valkyrie that's kind of the driving force here um now, in you know a modern comic, they probably would have made them have some sort of romantic relationship or something like that. But it was the eighties that didn't exist yet, of course, in <laughs> comics. So, um, so yeah, like I think that um, I think another way that kind of is is kind of unique to comics of yesteryear <laughs> is that um, like this whole like dancing beast with the four eyes and tentacles coming out of its tummy um like they 
<laughs> maybe this is a benefit of of comics of that of that era is like they would like they just created these characters just for this scene right. and life went on right but for today we would have had like you know a six issue miniseries backstory <laughs> about yeah. these characters or something and it would have like it, they would have just added into the entire pantheon and of of Marvel Comics, and it's like okay, it's there's there's merit to throwaway characters like that, um, and and yeah, you look at that thing, and you're like, yeah, that's definitely a throwaway character. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. except for we're going to immortalize it forever on the front cover right. of this book, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I guess that you could say that at least it may not be a good comic, but at least it's still a comic, right? At least it still reads like a comic. That's not really much to say about it, but that is one thing I'll give it, right? It does have story and art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a question, Josh. What do yeah. you think about Spider-Man in this issue? Oh, was Spider-Man in this issue? Yes, I swear <laughs> he was. I can see him right there. He didn't do anything, but... Yeah, again, Spider-Man is not part of the Defenders, correct? No, so he's not. Why, I don't like, know why, why have he's him here. here? I don't think the Hulk is either. No. So, like, all of these characters, they don't belong in the story. Like, this should be Hellcat's story, and she's... She is in a lot of panels and does say a lot, but doesn't do a lot. Like she, she, there's nothing that she really does to further the action or further the plot. She, just like the previous issue, she's kind of just crying the entire time. Uh, and right. uh, I, I like. I, I think a, a large reason why this story suffers, uh, aside from the muddled plot, is that the characters don't have time to individually shine. Which should happen right. in any ensemble, right? Like, why are these char- Why are all of these characters here? Besides the fact that, oh, it's a defender story. Like, what is the Hulk doing on this mission? Like, how is he helping out? Like, what what's going on in his his mind or Gargoyle? Mm-hmm. Like, he's. I'm not sure Gargoyle says anything in this. I think he's just floating along, like beside everybody. Like, if this is if this really is an ensemble story and a, a series of comics. What? Why aren't we seeing those sides of those characters as well? And maybe, maybe what they're doing will give us insight to what's happening, actually happening into the story, instead of, you know, like stopping the action to have some narration to explain what's what's going on. All right. So now we are gonna jump to another piece of shit. It's Defenders One Hundred Nine. Ah, <laughs> uh, just when we thought we were done, there's one more issue of Defenders, and guess what? G.I. Jolie, it's your turn. Okay. Let me breathe. Let me think about where we left off. Oh, yes. Valkyrie. She's come back to life and she's ready to seek vengeance. Has she come back to life? Honestly. Oh, God. Like, just just saying that has taken... (laughs) All I can hear is Josh laughing. Um, (laughs) It's taken the very life and soul from me. It has drained my life being. Um, Yeah, so what we get here is just a huge... uh, What I haven't seen very often, which is um, Valkyrie and the Enchantress fighting for a large amount of panels and pages. Um, 
part of the admittedly, what do they call them? The informal collection of the Avengers. So they even admit on the first page that like this issue is unnecessary. Um, if it's so inform, if the, oh, sorry, not the Avengers, the Defenders. So it's like, oh, so if this is if this group of Defenders is informal, then why bother? <laughs> but they bothered. They bothered. So um, we have. Uh, sorry, sorry. So Valkyrie and the Enchantress are fighting, but Spidey and Doctor Strange are. They get kind of caught up in a fight with um, the Harpies. Um, somehow in all of the chaos, um, two of them are banished to some kind of, um, zone. I'm not sure what it's called. Mike, do you have any idea what that's called? Is it Valhalla? No, it's, um, uh, uh, you know, there before, I believe, I don't think... Limbo? Was it Limbo? Yeah, it's like Hellcat and Hulk and Namor and whoever is already there, I think. Yeah, they're in Limbo, but no one seems to notice that they're in Limbo. And then somehow um, Enchantress is bested uh, by... Oh, uh, sorry. Valkyrie gets a ball and is able... (laughs) It's and the is plot able device to, orb. Yeah, plot device orb. And is able to best the Enchantress. And that's it. It just ends. Um, and then suddenly you see that she is in Valhalla talking to... Who is she talking to? Father She's an As- Yeah. Sorry? She, she goes back to Asgard and is talking to Odin. That's it. She's talking to Odin. I don't know what about, though. Like, I had already checked out by this point. <laughs> well, so... Just how bad just Daddy one, is. Yeah. Let me yeah. just say one quick thing. This is by Jim Dimitius and Don Perlin, as usual. But the difference with this issue is it's inked by Joe Sinnott, who is uh, the greatest Marvel inker of the 60s. He teamed up with Jack Kirby. He's famous for that. But this is also co-written by Mark Grenwald. And I'm only going to guess that the scene you're talking about where she's talking to Odin, I'm going to guess that was written by Mark Grenwald only because it's all about explaining continuity, which Mark Grenwald is obsessed with, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when they're having that argument, I thought it was really actually uh, the best scene in the comic. But it's almost like they're going through every appearance she's had. And it's Mark Grenwald's way of saying, well, this is why that happened. That's why that happened. Kind of explaining maybe, maybe these continuity... Mm-hmm. Uh, inconsistencies. I'm not right. sure, but I did like that scene. But the rest of it was complete I, shit. I think. <laughs> Go was, ahead, Josh. I think it was the best scene. You're right, but I don't necessarily think it was good either. Um, <laughs> right. Like it. I think it's just because it, it's the most coherent thing that happens in this issue, and it's because every single panel is shoved with words and bubbles describing what's happening and it's just it's just a bunch of dialogue and exposition and yes it technically makes sense the story that's happening but it's not good because it's it's just so much being thrown at us in these few pages like most of these pages are just bubbles Mm -hmm. like it's it's just all bubbles Uh And, and really all 
all we get at uh, at the end of this like short little like uh, uh, interlude that's happening is Odin kind of abandoned the Valkyries and uh, kind of cast them off. She did the same. He did the same thing to Valkyrie as he did to Thor with taking away um, uh, the fact that she was a god and threw her to Earth. And then she got her powers back, and it's just kind of them forgiving each other and like saying that they still love each other, and then that's it, right? But it's just so much being thrown at us, uh, dialogue-wise, that I just don't think is needed. So much of this could have been just cut out, and really, you could jump into the nitty-gritty of what their beef is with each other and resolve it right away. We don't need to explain every single detail about their past relationship and what happened. We can have Valkyrie just show up and be like, yo, you, you abandoned me. You took away my powers and you left me to fend for myself and die. Like, what's up with that? Odin's like, I didn't realize that that's what was happening. Blah, blah, blah. They can, you know, fix the relationship mm-hmm. and be done with it. There's just so much. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Becca, is, uh, Becca, is this your first issue of Defenders? No, I've read a bunch of Defenders before. Maybe not with you guys. I don't think I've, like, reviewed them on the podcast at all. But I've read a bunch of Defenders before. Um... Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you would have remembered this one, I think, right? Um, or you think just, of this one? or I did read it, and I just blocked it out of my memory completely to mm. save myself the trauma. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. like Gargoyle. Gargoyle's my my mm. my guy. I love him. Shout out to Gargoyle. Let's give him more mm-hmm. screen time. Um, I think this comic <laughs> is best summed up by when Peter Parker is fighting the har- when he when Spider Man's fighting the harpies, and he's like. Isn't this Greek mythology? Eh, whatever. Who cares? Like that's that's <laughs> this comic Ooh. in a nutshell. He's like, wait, we're fighting Norse gods. Whatever. Who? Whatever. Saint sons are gonna be like four pages from now. Who cares? Like it seemed like a whole mess of they were trying to make things that didn't make sense prior to this make sense pro- like now, but they didn't care mm. enough to really do it. Right. It seems very like just shoving as much as possible into one issue. Like when, when Valkyrie's yep. with Odin, it's a lot of talking and I'm like, I don't care. Like, how are you making something that should be cool boring? That's, comic books should never be boring. I should never be like, wanting, like lazily reading panels and skipping words and sentences. That's exactly, I think what, what we talked about with the issue we reviewed with um, with Ted is that Ted was like, yeah, you know, after a couple of pages, I just realized I was just going to be skimming. And that's exactly how I feel about all the Defenders comics we've read and, and many of the J.M. DeMatteis comics we've read in Marvel mm-hmm. Team-Up is that at some point in the comic, I kind of just check out and I go, okay, I get it. I'm just going to skim. There's too much text. There's too much dialogue. There's too much description. And this issue was the same thing. A lot of crap just thrown in, uh, hoping to see what would stick. Uh, I, like I said, I did like the Odin scene. Um, another scene I want to talk about. What about the scene where uh, Hellcat is talking to? Who is God. this? Her mother? Oh, is this her mother when they're when they're sitting down? No, it's it's her like it's... handmaiden. It's like yeah. a, okay, okay, her okay. nanny from her childhood. And she's like, right? come on, Dolly, stop being so uh, maudlin. I'm the happy-go-lucky Hellcat, and nothing ever gets me down. And then silent so panel, sobbing. silent panel, and then oh, Dolly, sob! I hurt so much. It's just I, so ridiculous. I know women and their emotions. Is, 
I hope that this is nobody's first, uh, like, story with Hellcat. Because it, in, right. in these past few issues, including this one, Hellcat is the worst. Like, <laughs> oh my god. No, Beck, if you think that this is bad, the past two issues have just been her crying. I mean, and I thought that we were do, done. Right? And I thought that we were done. Now that Valkyrie's back, she's she kept crying. Valkyrie's gone. Valkyrie's gone. Now that Valkyrie's back, I thought maybe we'll finally get an issue where she's not crying. But um, no, no, no she well, more crying. She only cries in this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but we, you know, I don't think we've touched on the reappearance of a character that previously died. What do you guys think about Nighthawk? Coming back in the last page. Who um, cares? Who cares? Yeah, Who cares say, even cares? a little bit? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It Kyle's cool. back. Yeah. It's like, know. yeah, but, but like, uh, he, how did he, do, do I even remember him leaving? <laughs> and when he so, did leave, when I think back on those memories, um, did I care that he died? Mm, no, not even a little. It's, what it's, about this dialogue, guys? You're forgetting. Don't let the new duds fool you. It's me, your old buddy, Nighthawk, back from the dead. I mean, that's exactly what I would say if I came back from the dead. I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah. <laughs> Look at my shiny new outfit. Yeah. What do you don't how about where's my girlfriend? Fool you. Yeah. <laughs> Is she sad that I'm dead? Yeah. I hope not, because I'm not. Has she been crying a lot? The whole time? <laughs> Has she Just been kidding. crying for the last three issues? All right. Okay, so, here, okay. here's the thing. Go ahead, Josh. I, I've talked about this before with um, with Black Cat and Almost even not. even with Valkyrie in these, these Defender issues. These deaths mean absolutely nothing because there's no... There's no impact. They're killing these characters. Oh, yeah. I hope that's what I'm hoping, right? To say, this character is dead. And then they're going to bring them back with no explanation later on. It's just, uh, I hate it. I hate this so much. This ending is awful. Not that, not that the the beginning was awful or the middle was off wasn't awful, but this ending was just, oh, uh, I I, I hate these types of. Guess what? I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. Don't worry about me. I I it's it's the worst. Well, oh, yeah. you know. Go ahead, Julie. Like, we're supposed to believe that he's just hanging out in limbo, um, and the Hulk, Namor, and Son of Satan, by accident, found him there? Like, what if they didn't get into that fight and were never sucked into limbo? Does that mean that Nighthawk has just been hanging out there sewing his new costume? (laughs) (laughs) He's okay. getting some of Hobgoblin's uh, costume dye, and he's uh, fixing yeah. it up. <laughs> yes. Okay. We've talked about the story. We haven't even touched on the art. I said previously that this is some of the worst comic book art I've ever seen. Uh, Bex Luther, what do you think about this art? I love when all the women look the same. That's my favorite thing about art. Is is you you look at a, you look at a male character and you're like ah Doctor Strange, and you look at a female character and you're like ah blonde woman. Which blonde woman is this? And then. <laughs> She has a different outfit, so you could tell. But there's some panels where she's not wearing her costume, or like she's in a different outfit. So I'm like, is that Valkyrie? Is that Enchantress? Who is that? And then she turns around, and you see her face, and I'm still like, that doesn't help. Um, and then like, well, or or there's two types of women. There's young hot women, and there's old women. 
that there's 30 million kinds of men. I judge art by specifically on how people can draw women because it's not hard. Um, especially if you can draw the beast and gargoyle, you can't you can't give your woman a different nose. Like, it's frustrating. It's well lazy. I, I love say... having you on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to blame Joe Sinek because, like I said, he's one of the best thinkers in the business. And I, I respect Don Perlin because he drew Transformers when I was a kid. But this art is brutal. Like, it's just, mm. you look at it and there's just no sense of design of the page. There's <clears throat> figures are awkwardly, you know, uh, placed on the uh, in the panels. It's just, it's just so uncreative and just so dull. And, it, it, like, you know... Even like the beast doesn't look cool. Like how how bad do you have to be to make the beast look not cool? You know. Well, that's Fox did it for a long time, so you know. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Also, I want to point out this is a Spider-Man podcast, and we haven't even mentioned Spider-Man. He's like, there. Why is he in this story? Honestly, what does he do? Josh, does he do anything important in the story? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't and then, the oh, I, Josh. <laughs> Go ahead, Julie. I think Josh is doing the exact same thing as me, which is flipping back to see where the last panel I saw him in was. But you know what's hilarious is that we actually, in his last scene, uh, Spider-Man's like, uh, he's like, he's like, I need a little time to just web around and digest all the weird stuff we've been through. And then Gargoyle's like, actually, Mr. Spider-Man, that sounds like a wonderful idea. Would you mind if I came along with you? And then Josh and I actually read the issue. Oh, with wow. it. But yes, That's this right. leads into Marvel Team-Up 119, which, by the way, I'm going to send to Bex Luthor because it's actually a pretty cool story. It's so, so good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Who would, who so, would think? Yeah. <laughs> I know, and it's the same writer, if you can believe that. So I don't know what happened. but. Well, yeah, there's no. is there less women? Because then it's easy, right? Because then they're not crying all the time. <laughs> and you can, give them, you can give them character two bros yeah, I you know didn't even, I didn't even make that connection probably because I was skimming through this comic trying to finish <laughs> it as quickly as possible but yeah it literally the panel of them swinging away is like the first few panels of that Marvel team up and remember when we read that issue I said this is probably because J.M. Demetrius was writing Defenders at the time and he just wanted to have something to right. do with Gargoyle Sure enough, I was right. Okay, so here's the thing. This issue's a piece of shit. I don't recommend it. Uh, God forbid this is anyone's first issue of Defenders because you certainly would not want to read another one. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Would you read another Defenders if this was your first issue? No. No, I would not. All right, okay. I'm so, so tired. <laughs> yeah, okay, so tired. Jolie. What'd you think of this issue, Defenders? I, th- I think the conversation about this issue of Defenders is a gold mine. Um, I but- agree. I agree. Yeah. Defenders um, was true. good at some point, it, it, but these I issues think, are not good. Um, if we have to look at the whole saga of the Valkyrie in the last three issues, it's the better one out of the three. Yeah. Maybe. I guess so, yeah. I'm going to give credit to Mark Grenwald and Joe Sinnott for that. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know who she is. So. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, ugh, no. Do you know what? No. No. Just, <laughs> just no. Don't. Just forget that this happened in 1972 and continue to read. Just like, read Squirrel Girl. <laughs> 
Okay, God. Bex Luther, are you going to be picking up more defenders after this? Well, here's like my thought process when when I opened up this comic, I saw the cover and I went, "Oh, this is kind of cool." I I don't really like that pink stuff though. I hope that's not in more panels. Um but it is. And then the second page, I was like, "Oh, cool, Valkyrie." And then I was like, "That's a lot of text." And then by like the third page, I was like, "Oof, oof." Big 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 yikes for me on this one. I'm going to say no. Don't and it sucks because it's like Enchantress versus Valkyrie. That should be cool. But that's over within like nine pages, and then it's just people talking about how sad they are. I don't. I'm sad. I read comics to not be sad. <laughs> what is this? It's over within nine pages. It's like half I mean, the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, like, I mean, Gargoyle's in it, so love him. We've oh, we've shit. given this comic more attention than it deserves. But my final question is, Bex Luther, have we scared you off? Or are you going to be back for more Spidey reviews? If Gargoyle's in it, I'm in. Like, I love him. Um, All right. Good I don't know. It's just, you keep giving me these, sending me these emails with these comics in them. And the first one is awesome. And then they progressively get worse. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even want to re read this. All right. Well, we're looking forward to having you back then because we've got more Spidey coming up soon. All right. So... Is Spider-Man going to be in those ones? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So here we go. So now we're going to jump to Fantastic Four, number 243. And I don't know how much I should say about this, but um, I have read the entire John Byrne run of Fantastic Four, and I have a lot to say about it. But I probably, mm -hmm. the last time I read the story was in the mid-90s. So it's definitely been a while. Um, but I'll just explain. This is, um, once again... Galactus has returned, and I didn't read the previous issue, but what has just happened was that the Fantastic Four were fighting a guy named Terax, who is another one of um, Galactus's heralds. So, you know, you have Silver Surfer, you know, you have, uh, I don't remember the other ones, but anyway, so he's another one. <laughs> so we start off this issue, and uh, the top of the Baxter building has been completely severed off i think the top two floors here and we're we, we jump in with sue richards the invisible woman and she's talking to johnny storm's girlfriend frankie ray and they're kind of just basically reiterating what just happened so that the readers know it's kind of john Byrne trying to be sneaky with his exposition exposition but it's not very sneaky at all hmm. so then we jump over to the avengers compound or the avengers mansion and we touch base with captain america and jarvis and and the wasp and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and Jarvis is looking outside. Oh, dear. You know, um, okay, so they talk about how the, the power's been cut off, which is supposed to be impossible. But then Jarvis is like, oh, my word, Captain America. Look at the sky. What's happening to the sky? And then we cut outside, and the F Fantastic Four are all wearing these spacesuits. And then we see, you know, stars all behind them. And then we cut back to this wide shot. This is a pretty cool science fiction-y idea. We see that the entire island of Manhattan... <laughs> is flying through space and apparently Sue Richards has created a force field bubble to protect everyone in New York or in Manhattan but the top halves, halves of the Twin Towers are in space so that's why the FF need these you know these miniature spacesuits so they're arguing back and forth and um, basically you know they're the thing just wants to get down to fisticuffs but Reed Richards is like, no, 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 we can't do that. We got to do what Terax says, which is we got to go and uh, we got to go uh, deal with Galactus here. So Galactus is hanging out in his spaceship. Huh. 
And he's, you know, he's philosophizing as usual. Oh, wait a minute. I thought, you know what, Julie? I just realized you were supposed to be doing this, weren't you? Oh, you're doing a really good job, so. Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Is that what you're like, hum, hum. Anyway. I don't, I don't know. I you can t- interrupt you. No, you can take it from here, honestly. Oh, um, where do we love off? Uh, stupid, silly spacesuits? Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, let's see here. So a space fight ensues uh, with this Terax guy and the FF don't know what they're going to do. Well, three fourths of the FF don't know what they're going to do. So they count on Galactus and they go looking for Galactus and they ask him to help because I guess Terax is sort of like a protege of Galactus. And then Galactus is like, sure. I'll help you take down this small monster and that it kind of just, you know, uh, goes from there. (laughs) Okay. Should I pick it up from there? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So so, uh, Josh, you can pick it up. Yeah. Galactus kind of, uh, he stops, uh, Terax. And then after that, he, while on earth, Decides that he's still hungry and he's going to feed on Earth anyways. And that's when the <laughs> Avengers show up and they also start to um, fight Galactus with Fantastic Four. And then Doctor Strange shows up. And then Spider-Man and Daredevil show up and they decide. There's not much. Nah, I think we'll I think we'll sit. I think we'll sit this one out. Uh-huh. I, they, they, uh, they, they don't want to get involved. But uh, Doctor Strange ends up stopping him by uh using this spell that kind of uh creates pain from all the souls that somebody has tormented i believe and because galactus has destroyed worlds and worlds and worlds uh he's kind of knocked unconscious with the pain and he's now dying and uh at the end of the issue we're left with a stinger where Reed says we have to save Galactus now. He, he, he. Well, although he may be somebody that wanted to kill us, he's still human. Even though he devours worlds, mm-hmm. and he's currently not doing that because he was just about to. We've foiled his plan to do it. Let's save him anyway. Uh, yeah. Oh. So- Go ahead, Julie. No, I was gonna say it's just like it's a good thing you took uh, you you took the story up where I left off because you're so good at describing when the books become Marvel team ups. Yeah, <laughs> God. thanks, Shirley. I appreciate that. <laughs> See, um, I'll just go no, ahead. No, go Josh. ahead. I was gonna say quickly. I first got an issue of John Byrne's Fantastic Four when I was in grade school, maybe grade eight. So he had done like 50 issues or something. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get them all. Well, it took me like five years to get them all. So by the time I got the whole run, I was like 19. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to read these. Okay. I don't even know if I got through the whole run, but I very immediately tried to sell them, couldn't sell them, and then gave them all away. So this was a very popular run in the 80s. It was probably... The second most popular Marvel comic of the 80s after X-Men, as far as fans go. Um, You know, rereading this issue, I can see exactly why I didn't really like John Byrne's FF. But um, 
Jolie, what did you think of this issue? I mean, this is probably one of the first issues of FF you've read. Well, no, you read the Galactus Trilogy last year, right? For, well, uh, for Nerdy, Nerdy Book Club. But that was Jack Kirby and Stanley. Yeah. Um, I think I understood that one more. Like, mm-hmm. the... The language, while flowery in the way that it is, wasn't, and sort of like grandiose in that weird, like neckbeardy kind of way that comics have a way of <laughs> being. Like this was, it was better, um, be, probably because mm-hmm. it was Stan Lee. Um, he writes with his voice, um, and John Byrne writes with a voice that only dogs can hear. <laughs> like uh, uh, sorry i just i couldn't understand any of this book it was terrible I, here's the thing i'm not gonna say yeah. it was terrible it was just that it, it, again it's like reading one of those comics where the way roger stern writes he pulls you in and the way this is written it pushes you out oh yeah it's like you don't want to read it that's how i can summarize this yeah uh, like you want well here's the thing you want to read it but you're your your mind and your body physically rebel. Yeah. <laughs> you start to read the words and like it's as if some invisible force is pushing you into like the next room to eat a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um Adam, have you ever read any John Byrne Fantastic Four before? Nope. Uh oh, will you ever read one again? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Have you read any you know, Fantastic Four? No, I've read Fantastic Four. It's just I've read classic FF during like the Stan Lee mm-hmm. initiation and then some later stuff from the 2000s. But this era, like I know this is supposed to be an important storyline, but I'm with Jolie. The writing is horrible. <laughs> There's just something very tropey about it. Very, like when yes. people in comic books write characters to sound like their comic book characters yes. where they're pontificating so much and they just sound so pretentious this is what's going on like Terax like first off his name is Terax and he has a giant axe so you know but, <laughs> <laughs> but second off lines like what care I for the puny lives of a single city well, who talks like that nobody no. Well, now I don't care if you're an alien. You don't talk like that. Do you know who talks like that? Like super comic book nerds describing yeah. comics or you LARPers. Know, I think the key problem, and I think one of you hit on it, is that Stan Lee was a, we could argue, failed novelist, but he was an aspiring novelist who loved Shakespeare. So when he wrote Thor, he wrote the characters to speak like in Shakespearean English. When he wrote super villains they were and speaking kind of a vaguely shakespearean kind of uh you know speech but the problem with these writers is they're not imitating shakespeare they're imitating stan lee imitating Mm. shakespeare Mm -hmm. so (laughs) that i think is the key problem is it seems like a lot of these 70s and 80s comics although there are a lot of good ones a lot of them are just so in awe of stan lee's writing that they don't really do anything new on their own and at the time again this was very popular but it makes it really difficult to read now mm-hmm. at least that's what i think uh josh what do you think no i i 100 agree with what everybody else is saying i mean even down to like thor speaking like it it, it is supposed to be kind of like vaguely shakespearean but it just feels too much 
Mm -hmm. Even here, like even for Thor, it feels like too much. So Uh yeah, the the writing is not great. I feel like I think somebody said it before. Like we're not in the story; we're we're being dragged through it. Yeah. Um, The the things are, are things are really just happening so quickly and it doesn't really seem like there's much effort with it either. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I also don't feel a lot of struggle fighting Galactus. Like, it doesn't seem like the the, the superheroes are having that much of a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. They show up mm-hmm. and they defeat him. He falls. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so strange. There, there's a similar story, actually, in... Uh, we were just talking about it. The, the 90s Spider-Man... Um, 90s Spider-Man and the 90s uh, Fantastic Four and 90s mm-hmm. Avengers and Ghost Rider. Those TV shows all had a crossover where they're fighting Galactus. And I think it's hmm. I think it's like two episodes where all of these heroes keep coming in and they're all teaming up on Galactus. And it's such a struggle. Every new hero that comes in tries to add something to it, but nothing ends up working out. And then finally... Ghost Rider shows up, and he does the death stare, and uh, he, literally, like, it, it's like an entire episode of everybody struggling. Ghost Rider is just kind of like, you know, f this. He literally rides his bike up Galactus's leg, g- grabs onto his face, does the death stare. Galactus falls, and then Ghost Rider laughs as he's riding off. <laughs> like it's so, it's so great, but it really does show the struggle of like all of these heroes having to come together to fight him in this like what what actually do they do to fight him like thor shows up and hits him i think a couple of times uh the thing does a cannonball when when uh, mr fantastic uses like uses his body as a slingshot and then dr strange <laughs> yeah. kind of like does that same kind of like soul stare and then that's it like it, it, i don't know it feels like such a buildup and and no payoff when when things actually start like happening. I mean, even with Terax, like like be careful, uh, you know. Uh, he has this axe. We've got to do what he says. Thing, and then Galactus just shows up and blinks. I think, and he's done for. Like I don't know. There's, it's just, yeah, things just happen. It just feels. It just feels really cheap. I don't know. It's yeah. like it's like it's clear that uh, uh, John Byrne, you know, he likes the '60s comics that he grew up on, but mm-hmm. it's like he doesn't quite know how to replicate them. And I don't know. I guess my next question is: Why does does anyone have an idea why this was so popular in the '80s? Like, even today, if I go on like Facebook fan pages and I say anything, if I say one ill word against John Byrne, people like rip my head off. So why do you, why does anyone know why this was so popular? What's your theory? Oh, I think it was the uh, expanse of what they were writing. I mean, Byrne was writing these very big cosmic stories, and people ate that up. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the other big title was X Men. Well, in the '80s, what were the X Men doing? There was a lot of space-centered stories. So I think that was just something. The type of broadness of those narratives just really appealed to people at that time for whatever reason. Mm, that could be it. Yeah, good point. Good mm-hmm. point. I mean, Star Wars and Star Trek were very big at the time, too, so that definitely makes sense. So, like, that mm-hmm. kind of resurgence of those types of stories. And I think it could also be that all of these heroes are teaming up for one large foe. And I think that 
that's that's a large appeal for people because that that will bring in fans of Fantastic Four and Spider Man and you know the Avengers. Like all of these people kind of have an in to this story. Um, so and people are, are very protective of their characters, right? So I feel like if you read this story as a kid and enjoyed it then, then you're going to be nostalgic for it and be defensive and protect it now. Yeah, that's true. Agreed, yeah. Right. Um, Can we talk about something that is probably the most glaring thing in this issue? Sure. Yeah. The Spider-Man cameo. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Did anyone else feel like this was horribly out of character for both Spider-Man and Daredevil? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, even if they felt like they couldn't go up against Galactus, that's fine because maybe at the time they just weren't like, you know, A-list superheroes where they felt like they they would be more, you know, dangerous if they would ju- were to jump in than you know helpful. But at least have them swing in and start saving civilians or getting people out of the way or like right, evacuating right. the building that, that Galactus point. is falling down. Like they're just like, well, nothing we can do. Like it's what what was even the point of the cameo then, right? Like. It, yeah. You well, know, I, just... I think it was to, to show, well, we're in New York, so we got to show what everyone's doing. So I know Spider-Man and Daredevil are here. Ugh. But but we know it's New York. Like We, we just saw the, the Baxter building get cut in half. Like, we know. I, it just seems like, uh, I don't know. Well, I think I know. Because I've seen this happen all the time in DC Comics. You have some hero that's maybe not quite an A-lister, and they just get throttled by some enemy. Why does this happen? It happens because they want the big guns to be that much more powerful looking. They want to show how powerful Wonder Woman, Superman is, how ingenious Batman is to figure out how to fight these villains. And they do it at the disservice to discredit these other heroes. Instead of finding creative ways for the villains to defeat this first wave of the heroes, they just make the heroes incompetent. And I feel like this was John Byrne doing that, saying, well, you think you like Spider-Man, you think you like Daredevil. They couldn't even try to fight Galactus. These are the real heroes. Which doesn't, I mean, if you're talking about power levels, here we have Captain America who has no abilities, no superpowers, and he's in on this fight. Uh, And really, Spider-Man, you're going to tell me Spider-Man isn't on par with members of the fantastic four i don't know i think he is you know so i mean i mean even popularity wise i feel like he's he might be in the 80s is he not more popular than he's more than, popular yeah than he's, than yeah. most of these heroes so like it just seems weird that they would bench this this extremely popular strong hero uh to to show the other ones when when again if you want to to like show that he's not as powerful he can still be doing something it just seems out of character for him to do this but then again 80 spider-man like peter parker seems to be out of character every other issue so maybe <laughs> for the time maybe for this time this is very in character uh-huh. okay so we've talked about the story we haven't touched on the art again john byrne was the at this time probably the most popular artist working at marvel how um, you tell me, Jolie, what what do you think of John Byrne's art? Okay, so his, um, okay, all I could think was, like, page digital number six. His writing, because I stared at it for, like, 20 minutes, trying to read it and trying to decipher what was going on, but his writing 
and his art is just as clumsy and <laughs> um, unproductive, uh, like as each other. Like, mm. if it, like, I was so distracted by like the minefield of, or, sorry, the star field. Yes. Yes. That I couldn't, like, I couldn't focus on the, I couldn't focus on deciphering what the dialogue was. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's the same with every page. So mm-hmm. I think he it's weird because I think he suffers from like um like he's a not good enough. He's like not a Kirby and he's not um I don't know like his musculature is off. Like his mm-hmm. knowledge of anatomy is present, but he doesn't know what mus- like the musculature looks like and that's all drawn incorrectly. You can see it in yep. cap. Yeah. Um. He obviously knows how to draw robots because Galactus looks awesome. Um, yeah, he does. He looks pretty good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, but like, there's a there's a few there's just too much detail where there shouldn't be detail at all. Mm-hmm. And he fills those gaps the way that other artists do it, but like other artists do it better. Mm-hmm. And it has the book suffers for it. I think. I mean, uh, even down to the thing, I feel like. He, like what you were talking about with like the textures he even feels off and kind of i guess off model from what the what the thing normally is but you know just to explain that at this point in ff john byrne had uh reverted the thing to an earlier mutation and so okay he, he purposely tried to bring him back to the way he looked in the early 60s so that's why he specifically looks this way okay yeah okay but yeah uh, Adam, what's your take on John Byrne's art? I I think it's okay, mm-hmm. but I do agree with Jolie. I think there's points where there's just too much detail added that it becomes uh, distracting. And I think for the most part, he actually has really good postures for the characters. The, <clears throat> the panels are dynamic, they flow into each other, but then there's some outliers. Like I'm looking at digital page 20 with Doctor Strange at the bottom. <clears throat> And his hands are, I don't know, they're all wibbly wobbly. Like yeah, fingers. they look like ribbons. <laughs> they do. It looks like his like fingers are tucked into his gloves. And like when you're a kid and you don't put your fingers in the gloves and they're just kind of like. <laughs> yeah. 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 And his neck, I, where is his neck? I can't really tell in this one either. Uh, and then Galactus's pose on the opposite side is just. On page 19. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like the word ribbon that Josh just said, the word ribbon is exactly what that looks like. (laughs) It's like he, he's like, well, I know how to draw a banner and that's what that does when it bends. (laughs) So the human body must do the same thing. And this is an alien body. So let's just like, let, that's how I'm going to interpret that. It's like a, 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 the panel before it too is really strange because it's like, I feel like maybe they pay attention to (laughs) look at Thor's butt. I don't know how to say this more delicately, but like it's very round. What page is this on? On 19. The page before. Yeah, digital 19. The page before digital Uh, 20 where we're discussing the mittens. Strange ass. Sorry, but Doctor like Doctor Strange's glove hands. I did that earlier today, by the way. Um, (laughs) Um uh it like his it it just looks strange and um not in a good way yeah not in a good way and yeah. i feel like this is one of those ugh, artists that maybe learned how to draw from drawings 
from, from drawings of other people. Yeah, from yes. and specifically comic books. They exactly. may have had at some point knowledge or tried to grasp the knowledge of anatomy, but it didn't exactly click. And it, this person learned from 2D drawings. Like this has mm-hmm. to be the the answer. I don't understand because I think. Ugh. It's terrible. I think you're 100% right. And the funny thing is, is a lot of people rag on 90s image artists like Rob Liefeld and, and even Todd McFarlane and people like that because they clearly learned to draw from comic book artists. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem is, is that with them is that they were learning from comic book artists to learn from comic book artists. But so they're like th- twice removed. But this is still that intermediate where you're right. Uh, you know, we know that people like John Buscema and John Romita and Jack Kirby learned from real life. And they developed as they got older. They improved as they got older. John Byrne arguably peaked at the beginning of his career when he was doing Iron Fist and Marvel Team Up. And then he did X-Men. And he was fairly good then. But at this point, what had happened was, his I definitely know his ego has gotten through the roof by this point. Because I've read interviews with him where he talks about how great an artist he is and how much people love him. And you can see here, he's already starting to go down that road that destroyed his career where he starts becoming obsessed with shortcuts. Uh, It's like any way he could figure out to not draw something, he'll do it. Any way he can figure out to, uh, for example, he started inking his own pencils. Then he started eventually going directly to inks, which is not a good idea. Yep. Stupid, exactly. And like, you know, at the beginning of the issue, you can see how, like, you know, these opening pages with Invisible Girl and um, Frankie Ray, they're they're fairly well, like, they're clear. His storytelling is clear, I'll give him that. But it's kind of uncreative, even with the angles, you know, like, looking at the buildings straight on and these straight on shots of people's faces and... When you know, then Captain America runs in, and it's all just very dull. And the thing is, is like I said earlier, when I was a kid, I loved John Byrne, and there's there are other artists that I've grown out of, like Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson and Art Adams. But at least those guys, when I look back, I can see why I like them. But honestly, looking at this, I don't understand why even I liked him because his art is so plain and so dull. So I just don't, and I don't understand these people that just love him, you know, but. They, they, mm-hmm. they think he's a god, and I don't see it. Um, but that's just me, and you, and you, and you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I will say that there were a couple of moments where I thought that things did stick out for me that were that were pleasant. Um, okay. Like the 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 next page actually after the <laughs> ribbon fingers, uh, where uh, <laughs> Mister Fantastic and uh, the thing do that like cannonball thing between the sure. uh, the two lampposts i really love the uh the third panel on the page is uh like roing like the sound effect in the background okay. you can see the thing flying mm. and uh hitting galactus's face like there i think that there are some fun moments in this issue it's not all <laughs> gloom like there there are small nuggets throughout that that stand out as good but i think <laughs> overall the issue didn't work for me, and I don't know if I would recommend this one. No, mm-hmm. no. Um, I, I also I want to say one more thing before we wrap up. You know the panel mm-hmm. where Doc, uh, where Galactus gets knocked over and smashes into the building. Yep. Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. a bad shot. Like that actual figure is good, but the problem is, I think 
there's something about the way the building is and the perspective that really makes it mundane. It's like, mm. if you're going to show Galactus, then for God's sake, put the camera looking up at him so we see mm -hmm. how big he is, you know? like. And I know well, that... I just want to say quickly, I know that Alex mm -hmm. Ross probably did that best when he did um, Marvels. And even Kirby didn't really make him look that humongous when he drew him. But it just looks so mundane in this panel. I can't figure out what it is. What were we, we going to say, Josh? I think it's, it is the angle, like you're saying. I feel like the size is off, too. Because if you look at the next page, Galactus looks huge. Like, much bigger than he does yeah, uh, in right. this, the, this the, panel. Yep. And, and on, to, on top of that... It, they had they had to put Galactus Falls in the top corner because right. because it wasn't properly portrayed in the splash page. Yeah. Well, you know I mean, I mean, like I it, mean, John Byrne himself probably it's like he's compensating for his own inadequacies in the art. Right. Like we see him get hit in the face in the panel before, and then he's leaning on the 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 building. But then the next panel, he's completely out for the count. Uh huh. Like it's just I I, I don't get the him falling down and being out in this panel like it, it looks like he could have stubbed his toe and yeah like <laughs> fall in on the building you know what i mean like it it just didn't seem like a out for the count type of fall <clears throat> yeah. so when so when it when when i flipped to the next page and saw that he was completely knocked out i was surprised mm -hmm. even the cover it, it doesn't look it doesn't look like a giant being attacked by superheroes. It looks like a toy. It looks like a big toy being attacked by little toys. There's no sense of magnitude, the magnitude of how big Galactus is. There's just something off about it. It's not terrible, but it's not magical, you know? Well, Mike, I think you hit the nail on the head. When you were asking, why do people love this run? Why do they love John Byrne? Yes, it looks like toys fighting each other. I mean, this is the dark side of superhero fandom. It's the whole mashing of action figures together. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that John Byrne does. Uh, but I've seen here, I've seen in some of his other work. And I don't know, I just have to say, I wouldn't recommend this at all. Because <laughs> it, it, it just seems like it, it's a waste of time. Nothing yeah. really happens. And I, when you break it down, what does happen? Terax is gone. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> they didn't do anything for that. It was all Galactus, and Galactus is knocked out. So why was Terax even there in the first place? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Jolie, do you recommend this one? Um, I recommend it if you want to read something that'll make you angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this is kind of... You know, I'm sure all of us have got into gotten into debates with other comics readers where you kind of no. reach a point where you go, what? What? Like, no, I, there's like a line I won't cross and I think this is it. I just don't get it. And I think when, when people today, even though superhero comics are more accepted today, I think when people think of a bad superhero comic, unfortunately, this isn't terrible, but it's not good. This no. is exactly I, You know what, though? I will say I, I think that I get why people like this. Like I, I I I understand the appeal of the action figures. Sure. Like collecting all your action figures together and smashing them together and having there you fun. Go. Right? But I I get that. It just it's not for me. I, I it and I don't think it's for 
either of you guys as well. Like, <laughs> I, I, I guess you could kind of compare this to like the Transformer movies. Yeah, they're they're really bad, but mm-hmm. they they do so well because, like, it's just like stupid fun. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's just that like let's let's see how wild we can get with all these things that i've got and like yeah. let's show you a couple of like really fun ideas like the fan like mr fantastic and thing oh. like teaming together to do the slingshot like that is fun but it the the story is not fun what happens is not fun the character development is not fun mm-hmm. so i i get it it's just not for me and i wouldn't recommend it to anybody I'm with you on that. Okay, on that note, I once again would like to thank Adam Pelche for joining us for Fantastic Four. Um, I'd like to thank uh, G.I. Jolie for joining us for Fantastic Four and for um, also joining us for uh, Defenders 108 and 109. I'd like to thank Ted Woods for joining us for Defenders 108, Becca for joining us for Defenders 109. Hopefully we can have you all back again on future episodes. And uh, Josh, you can take it from here. All right. Uh, we want to know what you guys think about the comics that we're talking about and also the uh, the podcast episodes. So uh, you can find us over at uh, Twitter at HCT Spidercast or at, <laughs> at Comic Syndicate. Uh, and you can also find the podcast pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. That's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, find us there. Leave us a review or a comment because we'd like to keep that conversation going. That's right, and next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled uh, monthly uh, grab bag of Spidey comics. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right, see you then.